Well, let's thank the Lord for each other. I would just like to mention that last Sunday, uh, one of the workers here uh, died of a heart attack. Well, had a heart attack right on our steps and died about 30 minutes later, but we took up an offering uh, for his family. And this past week, um, Mabel and Phyllis went to the home and shared with the wife uh, and the family, and the family is very blessed. So thank you for that, for that offering. Uh, I had a call or a message from James last night about... Uh, quarter to six, saying that the hospital called, and my mother is in her last uh, hours, and uh, so I'm going to head on a plane and go see my mom. Could you turn that mic down a little bit, Steve? Um, James's mother was diagnosed with cancer uh, this year, probably about seven months ago, and anyway, he started going out there very often sharing the gospel with her, and actually she came to Christ. So this is very, very good news. So she's still alive, but what we're praying is that James's father will also come to know the Lord. Um, James is one of the elders in our church. Uh, he was going to bring the message this morning. So I thought, well, what would Father have me to do? Would you like to talk about James? We, we can jump back in James 3, where we were two weeks ago. And I thought, well, but in two weeks from now we'll be in James again. So I thought this morning uh, I would bring a message because we have a lot of new people. And this message was brought about three years ago. And this message is actually the, the greatest message, the greatest sermon that was ever, ever has been delivered. Uh, and it was delivered by our Lord, and it's recorded in the book of uh, uh, Matthew. And it takes three chapters, Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew 7. And this sermon is an amazing sermon because it has about 125 points to it. And almost every word is a sermon. Every word is a message. Every word is, or every sentence, I should say, you can develop that sentence into about an hour. And the foundation of this sermon is based on Matthew 5, chapter 3, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, and it is, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed is the man who understands his poverty, his spiritual, her spiritual poverty. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is only defined in Scripture at one place, and it's all that is good, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the basis of our Christian faith is understanding our poverty, our need for God. I was with a bunch of men this morning before the service, and we were talking for about an hour on how to have a victorious Christian life. And we finally came to the conclusion, it is, it's, it's, as we live, as we draw our very life, as we breathe the Holy Spirit, as we live in dependence upon Him, then Christ lives in us, Christ indwells us, and we're filled with His joy and His peace. And Jesus modeled this out in His life. He lived a life of total dependence, impoverished from his own, of His own ability. His every temptation was to call upon His deity. Christ never lived out of His deity. He only lived out of his manhood in complete dependence upon Father. And when he did, the Holy Spirit filled him and the deity of the Father flowed through the Son. And he's given each of us that opportunity. As we put aside our humanity, if we put aside our own resourcefulness, our own abilities and live a life of total dependence upon him, then he, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will reveal his deity in your life, in my life. And it looks like the fruits of the Spirit, his love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness, his self-control, the very life of Christ. So 
as we just listen to these words, just know that these words weren't just meant for people 2,000 years ago. They're, they're alive for you and I today. These words are spoken to you, to me, by Christ himself. And he starts off by saying, Blessed are those, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you, shall say all manner of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its flavor, its savor, how shall it be restored? It's good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. You are the light of the world. You are a city sitting on a hill that cannot be hid. Men do not light a candle and place it under a bushel, but they rather be put it on a stand that it might give forth light unto all that are in the room. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and praise and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but rather to fulfill. For truly I say unto you that heaven and earth shall pass away before a single small point of punctuation, a dot or tittle, shall in any way pass from the law until all is fulfilled. And whosoever shall break one of these least of these commandments shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever shall keep these commandments should be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, heaven and earth shall pass away before a single dot or tittle or anything of the law shall go away. You've heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, do not resist evil. But if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other one also. If someone forces you to go a mile with him, go with him too. Give to him who asks, and from him who would borrow from thee, do not turn away. And if you come before the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, go be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Agree quickly with your adversary when you are with him on the way, lest at any time your adversary deliver you to the judge, and the judge to the jailer, and you be cast into prison. Of a truth I say unto you, you will not come out until you have paid the last penny. You've heard that it has been said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looks lustfully on a woman has committed adultery with her already in his heart. So if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is profitable for you that one of your members should perish and that your whole body be cast into hell. And if your right hand should offend you, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is profitable to you that you lose one of your members and that your whole body be cast into hell. You've heard it has been said, 
that Moses said that whosoever wishes to divorce his wife must first give her a writing of dismissal or a divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever divorces his wife except for the cause of unfaithfulness causes her to commit adultery. And whosoever marries she who is so divorced commits adultery. You've heard that it has been said, you should not swear falsely, but should perform all your oaths unto the Lord. But I say unto you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. But let your statements be yes or no, for whatever is more than this comes of evil. You've heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, that you should limit your retaliation. But I say unto you, do not retaliate at all. But if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other one also. If someone forces you to walk a mile, walk with him too. If someone takes your coat from you, give him your cloak also. Give to him who asks of thee, and from him who would borrow from you, do not turn away. You've heard that it has been said, you should love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But I say unto you, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun to shine on the bad and on the good and makes the rain to fall on the just and on the unjust. For if you love only those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the heathen do the same? And if you salute your brother only, what do you do more than others? Do only the tax collectors do that? But I say unto you, be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. When he says be perfect, he means be complete and entire, wanting nothing. It's like our brother James talks about, that you may be perfect, complete and entire, wanting, lacking nothing. I've lost track here a minute, but let me get back on. Kathy, give me a cue. Before, okay. You should, okay, you've heard you, say, you should love your neighbor, hate your enemy, but I say love your enemies, do good to them, preach. Take heed that you do not your good works before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father in heaven. But you, when you do your good works, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing that your alms may be in secret, and your Father who sees you in secret shall reward you openly. And when you pray, do not be as the hypocrites who pray standing in the corners of the streets and in the synagogues that they may be seen of men. Of a truth I say unto you, they have the reward, but you, when you pray, enter into your closet and pray to your Father which is in secret. And your Father which is in secret will reward you openly. But when you pray, don't use... 
useless, meaningless repetitions as the heathen do. For they think they should be heard for the much speaking. But you, when you pray, pray in this manner. And you can pray with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your Father will also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. And when you fast, be not as the hypocrites who disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Of a truth I say unto you, they have their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that you appear not unto men to fast, but to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret shall reward you openly. Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and rust corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But store for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust do corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The light of the body is the eye. If your eye be single and basically fixed on me, your body shall be full of light. But if your eye be on the world, your body shall be full of darkness. And oh, how great that darkness can be. You cannot serve two masters. You will love one and hate the other. You will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and the world or God and mammon. Therefore, take no thought what you shall eat or what you shall drink or what you, how you shall be clothed. For is not the body more than meat, and the life more than, than mammon? Consider the fowls of the air. They do not sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns, but God feeds them. Are you not greater, much greater than fowls, than birds? And consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They do not toil nor spin. Yet I say Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like even the least of these. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast out, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Take therefore no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or whether we shall be clothed? For after all these things the heathen think, seek, and your Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Judge not that you be not judged, for by what judgment you judge you shall be judged, and by what measure you meet to another, the same measurement shall be met to you. And how can you Behold, the speck which is in your brother's eye, when behold, there's a log in your own eye. And how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrites. Take first the log out of your own eye, then you shall see clearly to remove the speck which is in your brother's eye. Do not give holy things to dogs. Don't cast pearls before swine, lest they turn on you and tear you and trample you underfoot 
Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened. For whosoever asks, receives. Whosoever seeks, finds. Whoever knocks, the door shall be opened. For which one of you if has a son who asks for a piece of bread would give him a rock? Or if he asks for an egg would give him a scorpion or a fish, a serpent? If you in whom evil dwell know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give all good things in the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Therefore, take no thought, saying, Straight is gate. Broad is the way, straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to life. And broad is the gate, and wide is the way that leads to destruction, and many will go in there at. Many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, and your name cast out devils, and your name done many marvelous things? And I will say unto you, I have never known you. Depart from me, you who work iniquity. So whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, It's like a wise man who built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended and the floods came and beat upon the house. And it did not fall because it was founded upon a rock. But whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does not do them is like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house. And it fell and great was the fall of it. Okay. That, brothers and sisters, is the greatest sermon ever given. And we've got a little time, so let's just unwrap a few of those verses in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those, the poor in spirit. How blessed is the man who understands how much he needs God. His is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Mourn what? Mourn for every moment that we're not abiding in Christ. You know, sin itself, in its definition, means missing the mark. Missing the mark. So the mark is to abide in Christ. So every moment we're not abiding in Christ, we are missing the mark. We are in sin. (laughs) So maybe the average Christian spends maybe 90% of his life not abiding in Christ, missing the mark in sin. We say, well, we don't seem so bad. But the greatest sin in the world is not our sins of commission, Most of us are are socialized enough where we're not going around outwardly sinning and doing terrible things every day. The greatest sin in our lives is the sin of omission. All the good that could be happening in your life and my life that's not happening because we're not abiding in Christ. Because we abide in Christ, Christ abides in us, and his life flows through us. And sin is not abiding in Christ. It is missing the mark. Blessed are those who mourn. For what? Who mourn the fact that they have turned from him to their own sufficiency. But repent of that, and they shall be comforted by the Holy Spirit. Blessed are the meek. Who are the meek? Does meek mean weak? It doesn't. We're told that Moses was... Of all men on the earth, he was the most meek. He was most meek of all men on the face of the earth. Jesus speaks of himself. He says, I am meek and lowly of spirit. Meek is not weak. Meek is nothing other than power submitted. It's power. It's humble power. 
Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who have submitted themselves to me. They shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Where does mercy come from? Well, Father has a heart of compassion, but you and I become more merciful to others when we, first of all, have received mercy ourselves. And we must all understand that we are the recipients of God's mercy. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I was running to hell just as fast as I could get there when I was 20 years old, and Father put his foot out and tripped me, and I fell right on my face into his arms. That's mercy. But I am so grateful. I am so grateful that he caught me. I'm so grateful that he tripped me. I'm so grateful that he kept me from doing (laughs) all that I wanted to do. That how can I withhold mercy from anybody? Because I have been given so much. And as you and I truly understand and daily relive the gospel, daily think that I was in trespasses and sins. I was dead. A dead man can't respond to the gospel. When you were dead in your trespasses and sins, Christ quickened you. He gave you life. He gave you a mind to understand the gospel. He gave you ears to hear it. And he actually gave you faith to accept it. Because by grace are you saved through faith, and that faith didn't even come from yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Blessed are the merciful, for they should obtain mercy. If you've ever had a bad back, then you can appreciate when a person says their back hurts. If you've ever had cancer, then you can appreciate what a person going through if they have cancer. It's oftentimes through our experience that mercy is built. But the greatest mercy comes from the experiencing of the cross and what that meant for us. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Pure in heart. Pure means just unmixed. Pure salt means there's nothing in it but salt. So what he's talking about is our motives. Pure in heart means that I seek God only for who he is and not for what he will do for me. Only for who he is. And the truth of the matter is, if, if he never answered a single prayer, but just saved me for eternity based on the cross of Christ, that would be more than enough. It would be more than enough. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who seek me only for who I am and not what I will do for them. Because we seek him with a pure heart. Then he gives us exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all we can ever ask or think. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called sons of God. What is a peacemaker? A peacemaker is a person who takes the truth and places himself and the truth in the middle of a problematic situation. He's not or she's not afraid to get involved. But he brings the truth into the problematic situation with a peaceful heart. He brings... A peacemaker brings the peace of God and the truth and places himself and the truth in the middle of a problematic situation. A lot of times we get into situations where we get in and we're not at peace. We're upset about this. We're upset about that. We've got a dog in the fight, as people say. (laughs) And we do more damage than good. A true peacemaker goes into the situation with the peace of Christ and places the truth out on the table. And the truth, brothers and sisters, never needs defending. 
The truth never needs defending. Just place the truth out there. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice. You know, I don't think anybody in this room particularly wants to be persecuted. And I don't know if anybody in this room has been extremely persecuted. When I came to China the first time, about 17 years ago, I met with a group of 15 local pastors in the countryside. They represent about 4 million believers. Every one of them had been in prison. Only two had not been tortured. And at the end of the conversation, a colleague was with me. He said, what do you believe will be the greatest test for the church in this country in the future? And one of them smiled and said, when the persecution stops, that will be the greatest test. The little that I have been persecuted in the corporate world where I felt I had to do the right thing, to be honest, and it, it cost me favor with those people who, who just wanted to bend things a little bit. But I felt really good about it, and it, caught, it gave me an intimacy with Christ that couldn't be replaced any other way. And as we stand by him and tell the truth and do the truth and live the truth and ask the truth to live through us, you probably, you know, it says those who live godly in Christ Jesus will, per, will suffer persecution. <laughs> You're going to draw a little persecution to yourself. You know, when I walk across the street, I got a friend who always wants to run, go across the street on the red man. I always say, hey, the angels only walk on the green man, so I'm waiting to walk behind the angels. If there's a stop sign in the desert and nobody's looking, do you stop? Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to jump ahead a couple verses and just talk about some verses that, that are really, really, really meaty. Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But store for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and rust do not corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The paraphrase on that is, in this world everything moves and everything breaks, Jesus says, but me. In this world, everything moves, everything breaks. Jesus says, but me. So do not secure yourself in anything in this world where everything moves and everything breaks. For where your security is, there your heart will abide. And brothers and sisters, the greatest motivation in this world, and there's some new ones here, and that's, I haven't talked about this in this fall, but the greatest motivating factor in this world is not money, sex, or power. The greatest motivating force in this world today is fear. Fear. Every day, millions of people get up and do things because they're afraid what will happen if they don't. And millions of people get up and don't do things because they're afraid what will happen if they do. And the source of all fear is insecurity. And the source of all insecurity is that we have, in fact, secured ourselves in that which is not secure. So if you or I woke up this morning fearful, worried, anxious, 
it's because you and I have secured ourselves in something that's not secure, and we're worried about it moving. We're worried about it breaking. We're worried about having it or not having it. And that's what Jesus said. Where your security is, there your heart will be also. You want to live a life of heart attacks? If I want to live a life of heart attacks, we'll just secure ourselves in the things in this world where everything moves and everything breaks. But if you want to live a life of peace and joy, where your security is, there your heart will be also. And as we secure ourselves in Christ, in Christ alone, then we experience his peace, his joy. Set your mind, set your heart on him. Abide in him, and he will abide in you. And he never moves, he never breaks. And we've discussed this before. Well, yeah, but trusting Jesus is risky. No, there's no risk in trusting Jesus at all. 100% success, 100% of the time. 100% success, 100% of the time. Trusting yourself, trusting in myself, is the most cavalier thing you can possibly think of doing. 100% failure, 100% of the time, over the long run. Trust yourself, 100% failure, 100% of the time, over the long run. Maybe not in the short run, but over the long run. The angels had this conversation. They said, what is this about men of great faith who've trusted Father? Why would it take any faith to trust Father at all? He doesn't move. He doesn't break. They think airplanes and elevators are absolutely insane. <laughs> that would take a lot of faith to get an elevator, get in an airplane. But to trust Father? Why would that take any faith? He doesn't move. He doesn't break. That's how deep the lie is, brothers and sisters. And that's what it, the lie was back then. So, Jesus says, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be open. For whosoever asks, receives, and seeks, finds, and knocks, it shall be open. How do you ask? How do we ask? We ask through prayer. We ask through prayer. You know, this men's group we were talking, we have talking this morning about the fact that we had the privilege of every day talking to the chairman of the board of the universe. Now, if the President of the United States, the Queen of England, or Xi Jinping were going to come into your house tomorrow, wouldn't you get ready to have him come or her come? Well, you know what? We have the king, of the, the chairman of the board of the universe is, is here with us this day in our homes. He's ready to listen. And he's not going to just give us five minutes. He'll give us five hours. He'll give you five days. He'll give you all the time you want. Ask. Through prayer, talk to him. You know, all day long we go around talking to ourselves. Just start bringing him into those conversations. That's what praying without ceasing is. Just start practicing his presence. Just bring him into those conversations. Seek, and you shall find. How do you seek? The word of God. The word of God. Jesus was the word made flesh. Feed, brothers and sisters, off the word of God. It's, it's like health to your bones. His word never goes out and returns void. It always accomplishes that which is, is purpose to it prospers, wherein to it's sent. Feed. Seek. Ask through prayer. Seek through the word of God. And then finally what? Knock. How do we knock? We knock through obedience. We've sought. We've heard. Then we bow the knee. We kiss the hand 
and obey. And Jesus showed what obedience was to him. Obedience was to him that 24-7 he abided in his Father. And that's what he asks of us, that you will give me your life without reservation, just as I gave my life to the Father without reservation, and just as I gave my life on the cross for you without reservation, would you trust me without reservation with your life? Is that a cavalier thing to do, to trust him with your life? No, it's not cavalier. It's safe. You become the most conservative person in the world to trust him with all your life. Trust ourselves is very cavalier. It never works. And we have a lifetime going back and forth, trusting him and then getting feeling good, and then we go off and trust ourselves and then get in trouble and come back and trust him again, back and forth, back and forth, just like the nation of Israel. If you want to be happy for the rest of your life, trust him this moment, trust him the next moment, trust him every moment of your life. It will be perfect. God keeps in perfect peace the mind that is stayed, the mind that is grounded in him. Our minds, brothers and sisters, are the greatest gift God has given us. And they should be devoted to him and to his word. And the thoughts of him, if there's anything good or lovely or true or praiseworthy, think on these things. Set your mind on things above. So whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them is like a wise man who built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended and the floods came. The winds blew and beat upon the house and did not fall. But whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does not do them is like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew. And the house fell and great was the fall of it. So what's Jesus doing? He's giving us a great warning. He's saying, you know, I have told you the truth. Now, if you will abide in that truth, if you abide in me, the true one, you're like a man or a woman who builds his house on a rock. And no matter what happens, when it all moves, when it all breaks, at the end of the day, you'll be standing. But if you or I build our house on anything other than Christ, the cornerstone, it may be the most lovely house in the world. But when the winds come and the rains come and the foundation starts moving, we fall and great is the fall of it. And he's promised us that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any created thing shall ever be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And to close with a paraphrase on John 17, you know, this is, this is his last night, his last meal with his disciples. He's telling them how to, how to do this. And we're going to paraphrase it. When he says, my life, he says in, in, John 7, in John 15, I'm sorry, in John 15, he talks about fruit. You will bear much fruit. But the fruit that he's talking about you and I bearing is the fruits of his spirit, his love, his joy, his peace. So he says, I am the true vine that brings Father's life into the world. Each of you are a branch, a part of me. 
abide in me, and I will abide in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That doesn't mean nothing can be done. It just means that that's everything we do apart from him, you know what he calls? He calls it nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you depart from me, you will wither like a branch that's not attached to the vine. But if you abide in me, I will abide in you, and my life will flow through you. My love, my joy, my peace, my patience, my kindness, my goodness, my faithfulness, my meekness, my gentleness, my self-control. And when this happens, Father is glorified, and you'll be just like me because Father's life flows through me. And that's what our Savior left us with, this glorious promise that each of us can have the same life experience as men and women as he had as a man. Christ in you, Christ in me, the hope of glory. And we could someday say with the Apostle Paul, for me to live is Christ and to die is just a little more Christ. That's a good thing. It's a very good thing. Let me pray for us and we'll have the team come up here and lead us in one more song. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, Father, we left, we, man waited thousands of years to hear your word and your word is so precious to us. Uh, it's like honey, honey to our lips, Father. So we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for your teaching. We thank you that you have not left us as orphans. We thank you that you have not left us uninstructed. We thank you that you have not left us without hope uh, and without understanding. But we, Father, do want to pray this morning for those who uh, do are without the hope of Christ, any in this room, any throughout the world. And we pray, Father, that through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would make your gospel known to them, that you, Father, would quicken them, that you would give them minds to understand, hearts to desire you, and faith to embrace and accept your glorious gift of life, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.